All right. I am joined, uh, as you can see here on location, I'm holding a mic. Uh, <laughs> I need a new mic stand. Uh, by Rob Larson, uh, who is a writer and economics professor, the people's economist, uh, I like to think. Um, you can read his work at, uh, at Current Affairs, new book coming out on the ruling class. And uh, by uh, producer Jordan Dubin uh, coming to us uh, from uh, from San Diego. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought we'd do this. So this one was actually Jordan's idea, but uh, thought, you know, kind of had this in the back pocket for a day when we wanted like a little bit of a shorter one, but it also seemed like it'd be a lot of fun. Uh, so this is the, uh, this is, I mean, it's, it's funny actually, uh, people talking about this who, you know, haven't, haven't seen it yet. So this is great. It'll be new for you. Uh, see somebody, uh, saying, I feel like Chris Schiff would have sucked in a debate. Uh, Charles says, uh, he'd probably be too aggressive. Uh, hold <laughs> so. Wow. Maybe he'll be incredibly affectionate. You never know. Yeah, per- perhaps. Um, yeah, Khrushchev, I think, is a, I mean, like, they both are in different ways, but Khrushchev is a weird guy. I think we can say. Indeed. And, and you know, my first uh, upfront thought would be, like, yeah, who gets the better of whom would be, like, which one of them began drinking at what time? Because, like, you know, different men, different alcohol abuse mixed with power history there, you know, so... Like who, you know, who had, who started early that day, I feel could play a big role in this. Uh, match. Was Nixon a drinker? Yeah. To your knowledge? Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like he's one of those people who'd be like, oh no, I never drink. I'll have a bit of Bailey's or something weird like that. No, I don't know what his poison was, <laughs> but uh, I'm sure it wasn't good. And uh, <laughs> yeah, <Cutty> so. <laughs> yeah. Well, at the very least, uh, there was, um, so I think there might be dispute about how sort of long going this was. I think it's, it's definitely truth clear that in the, in the final months of the Nixon presidency, there was like a ton of drinking going on, but, uh, but I, I don't know, you know, I don't know if in 1959, which is when this happened, uh, mm. that was, that was as true. I could believe either way. Um, younger Nixon. Yeah. But yes, this is, I like Rob's framing. This is the, this is like the, 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 uh, the Nick, the whiskey versus vodka debate. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I actually think to be fair, you get like slightly more diplomatic Nixon in, uh, in this debate and Khrushchev just, you know, being Khrushchev, he overflows with personality at all times. Um, that's, By the way, I have a transcript here in front of me, conveniently uh, from the CIA website. So, oh, nice! nice. I'm yeah. glad that they felt the need to document that. Yeah, <laughs> just just to make surprise, sure surprise. We're about this. You know, the the CIA is literally providing the scripts that will be referred to in this, you know, this this episode. Just in case anyone oh, wasn't convenient. clear about that, that's right. Yeah. Yes, we trust the CIA and everything we conclude. So, absolutely, yeah. that's good. Uh, yeah, so this is in 1959, uh, when this happens. So Nixon is the vice president under, uh, Dwight Eisenhower and he's in the Soviet Union on the occasion of this, um, 
exhibition, this like American exhibition going on in uh, Moscow because there was a uh, there was a deal like one of the sort of detente things that they were doing at that point in the uh, the late fifties is uh, that they basically there'd be like a exhibition of Soviet stuff in like I don't know New York or something and like in, uh, and the vice versa in Moscow for anybody who's ever read it uh, or hasn't read it um, Francis Bufford's uh, novel uh, Red Plenty uh, has um, has a um, there's a uh, there's a scene in it that's uh, that that's at this uh, at this exhibition. Um, I should also mention I wrote a article for Current Affairs called "The Quest for Red Plenty," which was sort of a review of that book because a lot of it's about the, you know, it's 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 this is much more entertaining than it sounds, but like in a weird way, the the main character in that novel is like the the Soviet like economic planning system, um, and I'd also suggest. Anybody who really wants to uh, get into this, there's a book called K Blows Top, a Cold War comic interlude about, uh, you know, and I think they talk about the 1959 thing in the kitchen debate at the beginning. It's about Khrushchev's trip to the United States uh, not long thereafter and uh, just kind of everybody dealing with him while he was, while he was there, like, uh, cause you know, again, very loud, very overflowing with personality. Um, one of the most memorable things in there is that there's a point where he, uh, you know, he's supposed to go in a plane cause they're going to like go show him something on the plane, like take it to take him to, you know, to see, I don't know, Mount Rushmore or something and adamantly refuses to go on until he's clear that Eisenhower is going to be on the same plane. Uh, so that is a man who survived the Stalin era, you know, <laughs> careful. Yeah. To this no. day, a enduring Russian practical joke. Yeah. <laughs> Classic crashing plane gag. Got him. <laughs> yeah. No, it's what are the chances? Um, but yeah. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> the title of Cablo's top comes from an incident during that trip where Khrushchev is uh, very upset because he was going to go, I think to Disneyland, but like they decided that the security wasn't good enough. Uh, and, uh, going and to he, Disneyland alone is going to be fr- frustrating and, you know, all of that, but, but being denied entrance, it's even worse. Yeah. yeah fair enough. Fair uh, but, but yeah, I mean, so this is, this is kind of a classic exchange, you know, because, you know, they're talking like this is, I mean, if, if nothing else, I mean, there's a, there's a level on which look, obviously the, um, the Soviet economy was dysfunctional in many ways you can talk about. And uh, even in the Khrushchev era, you know, there are a lot of like really authoritarian things about the system, et cetera, but God, you know, like it, there's something about the setup here that makes me feel like, God damn it. Right. There's a point where like global politics was centered so much on these sort of big issues about capitalism and socialism and how to organize the society. And it's, it's just, uh, Ish. Uh, like there's a part of me that that sounds so much better too. What you know? Yeah, at least that's about something. You know, you know, <laughs> being being woke is you know, it's eighty percent of it is these kids these days. Like it's just the same. 
it's it's some, it's some tired shay like yeah at least the cold war yeah for its horrible downsides at least it was about something yeah no exactly like i mean so much of uh like you know, talk about this at the beginning of the book that Bosco and Mike and I are writing for Verso, that it's like sort of live in this weird time period now where absolutely everything is political, but none of it kind of matters. So there's a lot of, um, I don't know, like there's a lot of sort of hyper politicized arguing about uh, if the lead is going to be recast in a movie franchise or, you know, whether the, you know, the green M&M is still going to be hot or, you know, like that's uh things that are maybe not that significant. Uh, I want to see the m M&M start aging. You know what I mean? Like, let's be really real to life. But once sagging, wrinkly M&Ms to show just how long they've been around. Yeah. They'll be denied the retirement. You know what I mean? Like, if we want to make the M&Ms woke, maybe this is the way to do it. <laughs> Yeah. It would be great if we learn, like, yeah. The yeah, like represent our lives completely. Like, it's it's like perhaps more woke, you know, but also like we learn they're like working really horrible hours and can't pay their candy rent. I don't know. Exactly. Oh, wow. Yeah, the, the rent for the package of MMs they're in. That's it. The rent in this box is outrageous. I can't do it. It's like um, a company town. You know what I mean? They actually have to pay Hershey's to live in that bag. It's really fucked up. God. <laughs> Yeah. Um, fair enough. Well, yeah. on that note, uh, <laughs> good point, Jay. Uh, all right, so let's uh, let's get started. Uh, I should say that um, a lot of it, this uh, you know, Premier Khrushchev uh, is, of course, speaking Russian. I think it's actually you. I think the. Man himself was actually Ukrainian, but whatever. He spoke Russian. At, uh, uh, yeah, I believe so, actually. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but um, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I think Lenin was a Russian, Stalin's a Georgian. I believe uh, Nikita Khrushchev is a Ukrainian, and then it goes back to Russians until the, uh, the, the collapse of the Soviet Union. It's like the uh, it's like the you know periods of non-Italian popes or something like that. But um, but in any case, he's speaking Russian. There's a translator. Um, this you know what kind of you know just as a just as a warning for anybody who might like have this on in the background while they're washing dishes or something like that. Uh, this might be easier if you if you save this to like watch. Sometimes you can actually watch it so you can get the subtitles. But uh, let's see how it goes. Now you're assuming people's language skills. <laughs> so rude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to go right ahead and assume that the, the, <laughs> the demo here uh, can read. So um, I, I'm, I'm sorry for disappearing the lived experience of illiterate give them an argument viewers. Oh, but... I was talking about Russian speakers, but that's oh, okay. here. Okay. So go okay. with that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't think apologies. there's. I don't think there's a lot of. Uh, I mean, I, there are probably more Russian speakers than illiterate people in the audience, but <laughs> probably also not that many. If I had to guess, I mean, who knows, right? If you, uh, uh, if you're watching this and you know you're fluent in Russian, you know, just. just but you're correct. also illiterate, then you're like, whoa. <laughs> 
the the shiny Pokemon card of the experience here. Yeah, but alert us to your existence in the chat, and we'll keep you into Somehow, ask time. someone else to write. Oh yeah, yeah, obviously. good point. Good point. Yeah. yeah, ask one of your literate relatives to to write in the chat that you exist, yeah. so we'll we'll yeah. know. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. In the modern way, you know, uh, visibilize your community by sounding off in the comments. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Brilliant. All right. Если говорить о впечатлении сейчас, видно, что строители не успели закончить строительные свои дела, и экспонаты еще, так сказать, не находятся на месте. Но поэтому трудно сейчас сказать, потому что мы больше видим строительных деталей еще не установленных, чем экспонатов, которые хотелось бы нам видеть. Но думаем, что все это уладится в несколько часов, и все будет на месте, и выставка будет хорошая. Если пожелания наши, так мы хотим самых лучших пожеланий Америки, чтобы она показала свои товары, изделия, свои способности, большие способности. Мы охотно посмотрели, поучились, значит, и не только поучились, но и вам можем показать, и показываем также успешно. И это бы способствовало бы улучшению отношений между нашими государствами, между народами для обеспечения мира во всем мире. Мы с американцами только хотим жить в мире и в дружбе, потому что мы сами могущественные государства, и если и мы будем дружить, то будут дружить и другие, другие страны. А если найдется какой-нибудь очень воинственный, можем немножко за ушко его дернуть и сказать, не смей, воевать нельзя теперь. Время атомного оружия, поэтому начать можно глупцу, а потом и умные не закончат этой войны. Вот, следовательно, мы этим руководствуемся в своей политике, в строительстве внутри себя и в международной политике. Желаем вам значит, успехов, 
и чтобы вы показали действительно возможности Америки. А мы тогда скажем, вот возможности Америки, она, сколько она существует лет уже? 300, 300 лет? 150 лет независимости. Вот мы тогда скажем, что Америка 150 лет. Значит, существует вот ее уровень. Мы 42 года еще не совершилось. Еще нам 7 лет, и мы будем на таком же уровне, как Америка. А в следующий пойдем дальше, вперед. Что резерв остается? Но мы когда вас обгодим на разъезде, мы вам приветствуем. That last bit right there was included in the famous weird documentary uh, film, Atomic Cafe. So people in the chat may oh, I remember that. Yeah. Just that little bit right there where he talks about how old the countries are and the funny wave. A very surreal moment in a surreal movie. Uh, but, you know, stop spotting that. that film. Atomic oh, Cafe. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, th I feel like I've watched the VHS of that a bunch of times a long time ago. But, yeah, let's watch it again. Maybe actually that'd be a fun one. For a uh, for like a Discord movie night, cool. yeah, that's like such a classic. It's a crazy piece. The Kevin Rafferty movie, Atomic Cafe. Uh, it's a it's a really fun one. But that's for a fun. Do we know also? Just a side question here: Who who Matlock is here? The guy in the white, like, is this? That's uh, Nixon's translator, and he threw the hat on at a really random moment. He's really like stealing the stage and the scene he is I, I thought that other guy in the back who you can see who's scary lurking was the translator i have no so, idea i think it was him uh because he was speaking russian before it, it looked like okay. in the very beginning khrushchev was trying to instigate like a fight between the translators and he was saying yeah him, he why, was, do you, why do you look so angry yeah you look like you want to fight what's going yeah, on yeah, yeah, yeah you know he was a cavalry man in the war <laughs> I love that the only thing that Nixon had to say to any of that was when he said, I can still ride. He goes, Oh, really? It's like, yeah, no, I just like forgot how to ride a horse after my cavalry days. Okay. Yeah, he's such a I don't know, he just looks a, like an awkward 14-year-old boy, but slightly yeah. overgrown on stage there, just like looking around, not paying very much attention. Yeah. Pushing, pushing Khrushchev towards the one microphone. Yes, and did and did uh, people notice the foreshadowing in the later Nixon saga where he comes out with Khrushchev and it's like Nixon and Khrushchev standing there and Nixon's first remark is like, "Oh, for color TV, these lights are really bright, aren't they? I well, I wonder if that will later destroy my career for a time." <laughs> but he's not really like, "Oh, these lights are like really bright. I wonder if that will." Don't you notice that? That's that's unpleasant. Yeah. <laughs> this is his first encounter with his later enemy, uh, you know, lighting. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, fun fact about Nixon and the subject of what people did during the war. Uh, he um, uh, apparently, you guys know this trivia, uh, how Nixon funded his first uh, congressional campaign. Mm -mm. So apparently uh, by, uh, by, by playing a lot of poker in the Navy, uh, during the uh, during the war, apparently he he was really really good at staying at the table until he uh, until he'd like gotten some money and leaving. You know, it'd be like say he was like iron assed uh, for uh, for that. So that's just a little you know Richard Nixon character insight. That's weird. 
weird. So maybe his awkward skittishness actually works in his favor. He has no tells because he's just being. He's just always like all that. Of the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, and then you know, then it is the debate, and he's under the lights, and he sweats, and America sees his tell. Like that's, oh yeah. god. So um, I do like so. Before we get the really entertaining thing, where you know Chris just starts talking about how, uh, you know, Russia's exist, you know, was the United States has existed for 150 years, so sure they've accomplished these things, but the you know, Soviet Union has only existed for 42 years, and you know, look at how close we already are, and then we're gonna we're gonna pass you and we're going to wave like this as we pass you on the uh, on the way uh but even, <laughs> I don't know what that is <laughs> for that um I will say uh I did like all the stuff about how uh how nuclear war would be bad uh which uh which you know I I think on any balance sheet of Khrushchev uh you know some not great stuff in there, but uh, you know, Hungarian revolution, etc. But uh, uh, it's got to include the fact that he was actually kind of serious about that. Uh, there is this great quote from uh, Nathan Robinson had this article last year called taking world war three seriously. It starts with this, uh, these two quotes. Uh, one is from the movie Failsafe, The other is from Khrushchev uh, talking about the, uh, the end of the Cuban missile crisis uh, so, you know, a couple of years, a uh, couple of years after, uh, this, uh, this debate, uh, and Chris just says, when I asked the military advisors, if they could assure me that holding fast would not result in the death of deaths of 500 million human beings, they looked at me as though I was out of my mind or what was worse, a traitor. The biggest tragedy as they saw it was not that our country might be devastated and everything lost, but that the Chinese or the Albanians might accuse us of appeasement or weakness. So I said to myself to hell with these maniacs. If I can get the United States to assure me they will not attempt to overthrow the Cuban government, I will remove the missiles. This is what happened. Now I'm vilified by, the, uh, reviled by the Chinese and Albanians. They say I was afraid to stand up to a paper tiger. It's all such nonsense. What good would have done me in the last hour of my life to know that going through our, uh, uh, that through our great nation, the United States will complete ruins, uh, the honor of the Soviet Union is uh, get some points for that. The uh, the fact that we're all alive right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was willing to give Kennedy's cocky, suicidal Cuba, uh, you know, blockade a pass and back down without killing. I appreciate him, you know, taking, you know, letting you know, the Soviet Union seem to take an L and backing down for the sake of my parents not being burned alive. I'm yeah, grateful definitely grateful for that because you know. Yeah. I don't know if they would have gone out if they were if they died. So, I was born in Florida, so I would have, you know, I definitely not have been, or, definitely not you know, with like some there. really yeah. cool mutations, you know. <laughs> but um, I guess not. Fair enough. Let's keep going. <laughs> Хотел бы, так сказать, главное сказать сегодня. 
Я, мы все рады прибытию в Москву на открытие выставки вице-президента господина Никсона. Мы, я лично и от своих коллег выражаю благодарность. Господин президент прислал послание, я еще не прочел, но я заранее верю, что добрыми пожеланиями я выражаю благодарность. И у нас, вот, думаю, что вы будете довольны нашим пребыванием. Если бы, я уже не могу без если, понимаете, если, если бы вы этого если не вызывали, то есть не принимали такое необдуманное решение, которое принял Конгресс, замечательная была бы ваша поездка. Но вы замутили воду сами. Зачем это вам? Uh, yeah, I remember this from uh, from from K Blow's top that uh, just before Nixon's visit, Congress had done some sort of like resolution of you know like some meaningless performative resolution for like a you know week of you know something or other to you know to for for the you know the peoples enslaved you know by the Soviet Union. Uh, and Khrushchev was super pissed about it you know throughout the uh, throughout the uh, the visit. Um, so that's what he's, uh, that's what he's referring to there. Mr. Vice President, uh, from what you have seen of our exhibition, how do you think it is going to impress the people of the Soviet Union? Well, I have uh, not had much of an opportunity to see it yet, but I've seen a great number of photographers, and uh, as has, of course, the President and the Prime Minister. Uh, I think, though, that uh, from what I have seen, that it's a very effective exhibit, and uh, it's one that will cause a great deal of interest. I might say that this morning, I uh, very early in the morning went down to visit a market and uh, uh, where the farmers from various outskirts of the city bring in their uh, items to sell. Uh, as I was talking to them, uh, several of them came up and asked me if I knew where they could get tickets uh, for the expo exposition. I had none with me. But I did make arrangements to send some back uh, to the man who was apparently the manager of the market. Uh, I can only say that there was a great deal of interest among uh, these people who were workers and farmers, etc. Uh, I would imagine that the exhibition from that standpoint uh, will therefore be a considerable success. Uh, as far as Mr. Khrushchev's uh, comments just now, uh, they are in the tradition we learn to expect from him, of uh, speaking extemporaneously and frankly, uh, whenever he has an opportunity. Uh, and I'm glad that he did so on our color television uh, at such a time as this. Of course, uh, later on, we will both have the opportunity to speak uh, this evening, and uh, consequently, I will not uh, uh, comment on the various subjects that he raised at this point, except to say this. Uh, this, Mr. Khrushchev, is the one of the most uh, advanced developments in communication that we have, at least in our country. Uh, it is color television, of course. Uh, it is uh, 
Uh, as you will see in a few minutes, when we will see the very picture of your speech and of my comments that has been transmitted. Uh, it's uh, one of the best uh, uh, means of communication that has been developed. And I can only say that if this competition, which you have just described so effectively, in which uh, you plan to outstrip us, and particularly in the production of consumer goods, uh, if this competition is to do the best for both of our peoples and for people everywhere, there must be a free exchange of ideas. Uh, there are some instances where you may be ahead of us, for example, in the development of your of the thrust of your rockets for the investigation of outer space. There may be some instances, for example, color television, where we're ahead of you. But in order for both of us to do that, for both of us to benefit, for both of us to benefit, you see, you never concede anything. Wait till you see the picture. I think it would be interesting for you to know that this program is now being recorded on Ampex color tape, and it can be played back immediately, and you can't tell that it isn't a live program. And, and Let's have a let's have a, a far more communication and exchange in this very area that we speak of. Uh, we should hear you more on our television. You should hear us more on yours. Давайте так. Телевидение, конечно, можно, но телевидение можно выступать, никого здесь нет, а потом это положите на склад. А давайте так. Вы выступаете перед нашим народом, а мы будем выступать перед вашим народом. Это будет куда больше. Люди будут видеть и чувствовать. Это я вам фору вперед даю. Yes. You, you must not be afraid of ideas. Вот мы вам говорим, вы-то не бойтесь идей. А нам бояться нечего. Мы уже вырвались из этого, понимаете, положения, когда нас идея не пугает. Well, then let's have more exchange of them. We all agree on that, right? Хорошо. Что, с чем согласны? Now let's go look at our picture. Я согласен. Я хочу уточнить, с чем я согласен. Я имею право. Я же знаю, что я дело имею с хорошим адвокатом. Поэтому я хочу свою шахтерскую массу, так сказать, тоже, так сказать, чтобы поддержать на высоте. Чтобы шахтеры сказали, вот наш... Uh, 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 
No question about вы, адвокат, вы адвокат капитализма, я адвокат коммунизма. Вот давайте мы посмотрим. Uh, yeah, so the, the dig there is that in uh, uh, before the Russian Revolution, uh, the Khrushchev, I guess at one time, was a coal miner, and uh, and Nixon's pre-political job was lawyer. So there you go. Oh, uh, that's great, man. Nixon really is the Kamala Harris of his time, I feel, just... Uh, just like, just, just, just like, just swinging for that like charm moment, and just like whiffing every time. Sure, he's uh, got like one word for every thirty-five of Khrushchev's as well. You know, he's like this. He he speaks extemporaneously. Someone prepped you for thirty minutes on how to explain color film, you know, and that technology, and he was just like, whatever. Uh, okay, thanks, thanks for that. That's great. Yeah, God, so this is of... like. Crazy. What do you mean you're ahead? You're not ahead. You know, fuck you. Yeah, he Lawyer. <laughs> he wouldn't let any bit of it go. That's funny. And Khrushchev just is like such a strangely voluble type. You know, that's that's who should rise up to systems of hierarchy, not evil <laughs> machines of calculation like Stalin. But like, who's the funniest, fattest, jokiest dude? Like, that's. I mean, obviously, I think that, but like that's you know, I, I would like to think that that is who would rise up a socialist system. I, th- I mean, it didn't work that well for Gorbachev, sadly, but I think he was kind of like in that <laughs> level of hilariousness, at least. Yeah, but like well, Nixon, if there's like, one thing that Nixon street. could learn, oh yeah, yeah, Nixon should learn a little bit about gesticulating from Khrushchev. Like oh, it yeah. just brings like so much more charisma to his speech, <laughs> and and like Nixon just standing there with his hands. You know, glued to his sides, looking around for some. Yeah, you know, he should learn how to, to do next. Yeah, he should also learn from him how not to just be a giant weirdo all the time. <laughs> and Khrushchev just like screams mad at the people. Yeah, coal mines, uh, Battle of Novo Rusisk, all my friends died there. You know, that was difficult fighting Nazis. That's, you know, you had your being in a law office. Lawyer. I'm, stuff. Sure, yeah. I'm sure telling paralegals to write drafts for you while you ordered lunch was very similarly yeah. exhausting. Yeah, absolutely. Now we're just like out. This is like a nightmare for America. Like we sent the worst dude to like be on TV again, where it actually matters how you look. The first thing is like, holy oh, lights! Oh. God, what am I doing here? Everyone's going to see us with these lights. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, whatever. I don't want to waste our time, guys. We're not snorting. We're not swatting at flies with our nostrils. You know, we're not. <laughs> you guys, we're not barking at uh, lions with our hair. You know. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we should spare a few moments towards the end for uh, Russian literature. I saw some interesting chatting going on and uh, a recommendations. So, but anyway, for yes. sure. Yeah, I mean, and, and I guess like should say like part of the the tragic context here is that um is that Khrushchev. You know, I mean, obviously there's a lot of bluster here, but I think he was actually fairly serious about the goal of uh, catching up to and surpassing uh, American and, you know, Western development. Uh, this is, you know, the the time period of, you know, the Khrushchev thaw, you know, when they, they had, you know, the Soviet Union got at least somewhat more open to, you know, discussion uh, of... Uh, 
you know, like discussion of some ideas that might have been outside of, you know, outside of the acceptable parameters in the Stalin era, like was also a time when, you know, there was a lot of interest in sort of sponsoring and bringing up um, these kinds of uh, computer engineers and people like that, you know, within the Soviet system who had ideas about how they might do that, you know, who like, oh, maybe there's like a better way to do economic planning that'll like lead to better results, right? That's what that that book that I mentioned uh, earlier that I wrote about for Current Affairs, um, Red Plenty. Uh, that's uh, that's what a lot of that is uh, is about. The sort of attempts to use like burgeoning cybernetics to figure out how to more rationally plan the Soviet economy, which you know worked just a little bit, but like and you know interesting. And there is like there are like standard accounting techniques that are used by regular capitalist corporations now that were invented by these people as part of this effort to sort of do a better job of Soviet economic planning. But ultimately, I think especially after Khrushchev left and the people, you know, I don't know, I guess there was like a troika of people, but like a drop off ultimately who, um, you know, who succeeded him uh, were like much less interested in, you know, I, I think had kind of given up a little bit on that, you know, on that goal and, uh, and, you know, had sort of much more conservative ideas about economic priorities and all of that stuff. So, I mean, there is like, again, yeah, there is this like sort of, uh, spark of communist idealism in Khrushchev, you know, it's like, Hey guys, maybe we could actually make this work that, uh, you know, you can argue about whether there's any way it would have worked without much more fundamental changes to the system. I think some of the stuff in red plenty, you know, cast some, uh, you know, some doubt on that, but like uh, it's, uh, but, but it is both sort of charming to see here and also makes all of this like a, a little bit more depressing knowing how the story ends. Yeah. Absolutely. Indeed. <laughs> no. And it, it is a very funny thing that, you know, on the face of it, they're there doing sort of cultural exchange, and there is, you know, uh, obviously some elements of of showing off their technology. But it is in, you know, showing what your average sort of middle class home might look like, right? What all of the, uh, you know, kitchen tech would be. It's, it's, you know, they don't have a rocket launcher on the balcony or anything like that. It, it's not at that level, but that's clearly what they're more interested in discussing actually. And it'll be interesting if he gets into a little bit, you know, on central planning or how it is that they accomplish the things that they do in the Soviet union up until that point in time. But, uh, but we'll see in the meantime, it's like, I'm here on behalf of the Soviet union. We're about to blow you guys out of the water and it's only taken 42 years. And here you're the capitalists who haven't even built their kitchens yet. (laughs) I'm sure I'll be impressed when I see them. Yeah. Fair enough. Let's keep going. <laughs> all, that, all that I can say from the way you talk and the way you dominate the conversation, you would have made a good lawyer yourself. <laughs> Look at how he's grasping the mic for dear life. Here you can see uh, the, the type of tape uh, which, will be trans- which will transmit this very conversation immediately. And uh, this indicates the possibilities of increasing communication. And this increase in communication will teach us some things, and it will teach you some things, too. Because after all, you don't know everything. 
Если я ничего не все знаю, так вы о коммунизме совсем ничего не знаете, кроме страха, у вас ничего нет. Потом сейчас мы диспут ведем не на равных основах. Аппарат ваш, вы говорите по-английски, я говорю по-русски. Ваши английские слова записаны и будут показаны и услышат. А то, что я говорю, вам на ухо только переводит. И поэтому американский народ этого не будет слышать. Это неравные условия. Everything that you say in the Soviet Union, when you're not fully reported in what you said in Poland, uh, in fact, when Mr. Kozlov was uh, traveling in California, uh, talking in terms of, as very properly as you have, about peace, uh, you were talking somewhat the other way, and uh, it was reported in our press uh, uh, very extensively. And I can assure you that uh, never make a statement here that you don't think we read in the United States. Так вот, возьмите тогда, если так, я вас ловлю на слове. Ваши э, э, слова записаны, переведите мои слова, и чтобы мы посмотрели, и чтобы это записать уже на английском языке, то, что я вам отвечаю на русский. Нет, вот на это, на это, нет, сейчас записывается на английском языке. И вы будете показывать на английском языке. А я хотел бы, чтобы это был перевод мой, тоже был бы переведен на английский язык. Даете слово? Нет, слово даете? And I will promise you that every word that you have said here will be reported in the United States and they will see you say it on television. No, I see, I'm confused. So I want you to be vice president, that you give the word, that my speech will be recorded in the English language. Will it be? Certainly it will. Certainly it will. Right, right. In fact, and we, and with the same token, and with the same token, uh, everything that I say uh, will be recorded and translated and will be uh, carried it all over the Soviet Union. That's a fair bargain. What? Oh. Uh, <laughs> Все будет на русском языке. Мы деловые люди. Сразу сошлись. Мы готовы люди. Um, this, what we just watched now was recorded after they had sort of walked through some of the house, you know, space. Um, and that's where a little bit more interesting substantive conversation was happening. Yes. So if nothing else, uh, and spicy, yes.
Uh, well, if nothing else, our friends at the CIA can help us here. Uh, so we have. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. We can totally just act it out if that doesn't work. Yeah, right. Uh, here we go. So, um, yeah. so yeah, this is the earlier part. That's the actual part in the, uh, in the kitchen. Um, here, who, uh, you, um, oh, Jordan, you want to be Nixon? Obviously my whole life dreamt of being Nixon. Uh, the last, you know, really intelligent, outwardly likable president <laughs> competent lovable yeah. you know yeah yeah likable above all else i think is the adjective people use for nixon definitely all right, all right. so yes. both men enter the kitchen in the american exhibit <clears throat> i want to show you this kitchen it is like those of our houses in california we have nixon such things points the dishwasher oh yeah ben are you gonna read the Khrushchev yeah, or could, someone's going to read the... I think, I think you've, you've got the better accent, Ben. I think you should do it. Okay. Nixon points to dishwasher. We have such things. <laughs> this is our newest model. He sounds like oh. he's selling it to him. It's only five ninety nine. dollars It's kind of in his blood, yeah. Right? This is the kind which is built in thousands of units for direct installations in the houses. In America, we like to make life easier for women. <laughs> Your capitalistic attitude toward women does not occur under communism. <laughs> uh, I think that this attitude towards women is universal. <laughs> what we want to do is to make life more easy for our housewives. Uh, this house can be bought for $14,000. Wow. And most American yeah. <laughs> veterans from World War II can buy a home in the bracket of $10,000 to $15,000. Let me give you an example that you can appreciate. Our steelworkers, as you know, are now on strike. But any steelworker could buy this house. They earn $3 an hour. This house costs about $100 a month to buy on a contract running 25 to 30 years. We have steelworkers and peasants who can afford uh, to spend $14,000 for a house. Your American houses are built to last only 20 years. So our builders could sell new houses at the end. We build firmly. We build for our children and grandchildren. Uh. Awesome. American houses last for more than 20 years, but even so, after 20 years, many Americans want a new house or a new kitchen. Their kitchen is obsolete by that time. The American system is designed to take advantage of new inventions and new techniques. This theory does not hold water. It's not, it's not conciliatory at all. No, <laughs> like not at all. Like, you, you, uniformly wrong in following ways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So good. Yeah. This is definitely why Nixon said on that stage, like, well, you never concede a thing. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's why he was acting like that. He's like, this is yeah. what he was chasing by all this. Like an hour yeah. of this. He's like, oh, my God. Totally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. This thing, go, go ahead, Ted. This theory does not hold water. Some things never go out of date. Houses, for instance, and furniture, furnishings, perhaps, but not houses. I have read much about America and American houses, and I do not think that this exhibit and what you say is strictly accurate. Well, um... I hope I have not insulted you. Sweat, sweating. <laughs> Bracket, sweating. I have been insulted by experts. Uh. 
Everything we say, on the other hand, is in good humor. Always speak frankly. Already bitter. <laughs> yeah, the Americans have created their, <laughs> their own image of the Soviet Union. But uh, here's not as you think. You think the Russian people will be dumbfounded to see these things. But the fact is that newly built Russian houses uh, have all this equipment right now. Okay, at this point, Colin Balls and strikes. Khrushchev is just like, he's just uh, like, at this point, he's just so dedicated to not conceding anything, you know, that like he could, yeah. Nixon could show him anything and he'd be like, oh, we already have 12 of these. We have that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, a better version. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We just hosted World War II, but we already have broadband technology. We, we have this already. Yeah. <laughs> he also so, says so, about the house that it looks like it's going to, you know, it's, it's only built for 20 years. And then he says, well, some things are timeless, you know. <laughs> That's okay. I love that. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's really giving him a hard time. Okay. Yes, but. <laughs> I love that. That's the whole Nixon party. Oh, <laughs> In <wow>. Russia. Yeah. <laughs> Sweats. But- Wedding. <laughs> in the Russia, all you have to do to get a house is to be born in the Soviet Union. You're entitled to housing. In America, okay, point for Khrushchev. Uh, in America, you don't have a dollar and you have a right to choose between sleeping in a house or on the pavement. Ooh. Yet you say, we are the slave to communism. Uh, I appreciate that you are very articulate and energetic. <laughs> energetic is not the same thing as wise. Love his little Russian, his little Ukrainian proverbs. Like, that's great. 100%. Exactly. If you were in the Senate, we would call you a filibusterer. (laughs) You, uh. (laughs) Of course. He's like, oh, I would not be filibusterer. Yeah, yeah, okay. Good editorial uh... comment there by the transcriber. For sure, Khrushchev interrupts. You do all the talking and don't let anyone else talk. This exhibit was not designed to astound, but to interest. Diversity, the right to choose, the fact that we have 1,000 builders building 1,000 different houses is the most important thing. We don't have one decision made at the top by one government official. This is the difference. On politics, we will never agree with you. For instance, McGillian likes very peppery soup. Uh, Okay, I just got a hand. That's the guy with the hat. I think that's McCoyan is the guy with the hat. And this is my favorite line of the whole thing. He's just got the touch. He's just got the common on the page anyway. I don't know how it plays, you know, in in Islam, but it's just like, like goes to the folks. Like very, very, like a lot of Clinton in this. It's like very folksy. Oh, my friend over here, he's dumb. You know, what are you going to (laughs) do? Like, no, my buddy McCoyan here, you know, now he likes peppery soup. Yeah. Um, you know, I met a man today on the campaign trail yes. in Iowa who likes very peppery soup. Yeah. Um, Maybe this is where Hillary Clinton got her, um, you know, bottled hot sauce in her bag idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. In case I come across someone who likes peppery soup. Uh, it, it makes sense you would say this. Like, peppery soup was brand new at Russia in the Soviet Union. It was like dividing a lot of people. You know, do you like, <laughs> you know, peppery soup? You know. No. It's a big, big subject of controversy. <laughs> uh, McCoyan likes very peppery soup. I do not. But this does not mean that we cannot get along. Nixon, you can learn for us. Oh. What's that? <laughs> Nixon, you know, running with the analogy. That's right, of course. <laughs> He's just trying to hang in there. Really man. got it. He's just yeah. trying to, like, not get swept away in the just joyous populism of Big Nikita. That's right. 
he is. He's also entranced by the wild gesticulations. (laughs) (laughs) You can learn from us and we can learn from you. There must be a free exchange. Let the people choose the kind of house, the kind of soup, the kind of ideas that they want. Uh, translation, translation lost. lost. Both Enter the television recorded studio. I'll say it was. Which is, which is what, what we got to see then afterward. Chris, Jeff, in jest. You look very... Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, what yeah. we watched. This is okay. I think oh Mikoyan didn't like that his, you know, soup um, <laughs> were, like, were why, why you gotta bring up the peppery soup in front of the Americans? I bet that's like some inside joke. It's a euphemism for some like weird sex act. It's like, <laughs> like the peppery soup. You know, Mikoyan. That, that, that is something soup. Clinton would say. Like my friend here, you know, he only does it one way. You know, like that is like that is exactly <laughs> it though. Like funny, and that friend funny. is Jeffrey Epstein. I was yeah, just thinking about that. Yeah, funny, slightly inappropriate remark about a friend. Like, oh, we're all laughing, you know. Everyone's having a good time, you know. Everyone's having a good time. No one has to look at Richard Nixon and have a bad time. Like, they're having a good time. Uh, that's great, though. Yeah, Ben's right. I like the, yeah, just, you know, Khrushchev, you know, as he as he learned in the Great War, like, you know, just, just do not, in the Great Patriotic War, do not concede an inch. Just like, no, we have those. That's, yeah, but, there's yeah. also, but also something Jordan said, again, with the gesticulations. That's great that yeah. Nixon... Like, oh, you know, you have all your fun gestures. Like, just like like resenting that the other guy has like a fun, you know, fun patter that's not just coming out of some law office. Like, that, that, that Nixon bitterness. Like, we're just seeing it beginning in this. Yeah. Yeah. There, no, the East, I did remember one thing that was enough? said. Oh, sorry. I remember something that was said uh, in uh. the transcript that I didn't hear on stage. But apparently... Um, then I mean, the CIA wrote this down, so it's got to be true, right? Khrushchev said, You're a lawyer of capitalism, I'm a lawyer for communism. Let's kiss. Huh. Is yeah. that it? Yeah, if you scroll down, you can find it. But just like he's such a troll, he was such an incredible troll. He, he knew like- he was gonna rile this guy up. For however long it took before they got in front of the newfangled, you know, color cameras, and I think yeah. he got him right where he wanted him. I think they were so glad that like it wasn't Khrushchev and Eisenhower. Like, oh shit, he sent that really weird stiff flunky with a chip <laughs> on his shoulder about growing up poor and being excluded from the Ivy League, who doesn't know how to talk, who melts like a candle under modern TV cameras. Like it's, yeah. I bet. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, CIA misinformation. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, it's pretty funny, yeah. so I want to believe it. Yeah, absolutely. Fair I enough. mean, I would love to think like what what the CIA thought we would gain from that knowledge, or like what that was going to do. <laughs> They're like secretly spreading, you know, th- what what Khrushchev is gay. Also, that's what peppery soup means. Apparently, peppery <laughs> soup means that that Mikoyan likes women. Khrushchev wants to kiss. Yeah, see, oh, when Nixon did say, oh, yeah. I don't like peppery soup, Nikki was like, okay, I'll take a step further. Like, you know, <laughs> do you, do you, would, you, would you like to kiss on camera? That's the thing. We don't If we don't have footage of this, we don't know if they kissed or not. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, to be fair, this is during the part we do have footage of, I think, oh, that yeah. the subtitles. Um, it didn't make it into the subtitles. I love that confusion about, like, <laughs> we're going to have to, like, re-record this where I'm speaking in English. You know what I mean? The- like, this is definitely tape, buddy. 
Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, like the the three minutes we spent arguing about that, like just to be really clear, that Nixon was promising this vice president he was going to make CBS uh, play this whole thing, you know, with subtitles. Oh, nice. Yeah, no, yeah. the peppery soup as a euphemism would be great. Uh, I mean, I assume it's a euphemism for something. Like, uh, yeah. but I mean, it's, it's, it's a euphemism for not beef based foods. Kind of, yeah. What's that? It's a euphemism for food not based on beets. Peppery <laughs> soup, you know, or these meats that they have, you know, that's not beets. Yeah. Like I said, borscht is uh, a real gem. You can have it hot or cold, you can have it peppery or creamy. Come on. <laughs> you can be into it with pepper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. There's a um, podcast that, that I like, the uh, Age of Napoleon, the guy who does it, uh, Everidge Rumman, has, uh, has been on the show. He was on for like a Bastille Day thing with Bosco a couple of years ago. And um, he's the, he's the uh, uh, if you've ever seen him on Twitter, he's like pretty funny there. He's the discourse lover Twitter account. But uh, he, um, but it's also a very good podcast, and there's a there's like a uh, the like Patreon extra thing that he he does where he like takes questions uh, that aren't covered in regular episodes. I remember one of them was about attitudes towards homosexuality in Napoleonic France, and it's like, look, uh, obviously nobody had like particularly enlightened by 21st century attitudes towards it, but that. Um, you know, is like technically illegal or whatever, but that doesn't necessarily mean that people actually thought it was a big deal in practice. And he quotes uh, this incident where Napoleon is talking with his generals uh, about, you know, how to like get some piece of intelligence or whatever. And, uh, and uh, they like would spy to like send on some mission. And uh, one of the generals who everybody kind of knows is gay, uh, like suggests, you know, sending uh, this, this female spy to go do it. And apparently Napoleon says in the conversation is like, oh, now he prefers women. <laughs> so it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's like, okay, technically you're not supposed to do it, but whatever. Right. <laughs> like, this is open secret. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I, I mean, it is actually much funny. I mean, I don't know if it's funnier, if it's something like that, or if like McCoy and like, literally they just had lunch and Chris just just spent like ten minutes browbeating him about putting too much pepper in his soup. I bet he did it before he even tasted it too. That would have set me off. Like, whoa, <laughs> come on, give it a chance first. Yeah, and you're decadent pepper loving. But I gotta say, now all I can think of now though is you know we watch a lot of debates on these programs. We talk about them. You know, sometimes we we participate in debates. This to me, this just that last line. They're like, let's kiss. That's the Khrushchev gambit in a debate. Yep. And if you think that you can like get something over by making your opponent uncomfortable by proposing an act of physical intimacy that they may be uncomfortable with. Yeah. That's the Khrushchev gambit, which you can do when you argue with people like, no, okay. We found some common ground. Do you want to press our bodies together? Like that's the thing you can do. (laughs) The Khrushchev gambit. It is definitely a thing you can do. And then make sure that you turn to someone nearby and say that they look like they want to fight. Just to see what happens. Just to throw some more chaos into the mix. No, you know? And then people are like, who is this guy? And maybe I don't like him. And then you put on your hilarious hat and everyone's like, no, he's great. Oh. Like, it's, again, like, it, like he's just walking over Nixon and then just the hat. Like it's just Nixon's there with like nothing except just receding hairline. And we've got a funny hat gap with the Soviet Union. It's terrible. Just run. He's running up. He's running up the score now, I feel. 
would love to have seen um, Nixon's next appearance after this to see if he tried to adopt anything in particular. Like he shows up with a cool hat or he's like, <laughs> and next time I see you, I'm going to wave like this. He's we'll a big pillow like, under his okay? shirt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, you know, well, around here, we're not using a donkey's ass to blow the windmills around. Yeah, I mean, granted, at this point in America, it's like everybody wore a hat, but maybe it wasn't cool like that. Like, I was, I remember this was a, this was a point in uh, the first season of Mad Men when Roger asked Don uh, what he thinks about um, Nixon and Kennedy, and you know, and Don's talking about why Kennedy annoys him, and he's like, he doesn't even wear a hat. That's so funny. Just, he had really nice hair. Probably didn't want to screw it up. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think the indoor hats is a faux pas. Right. But right, right. everywhere else hats. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're friggin' Nikita Khrushchev and you're so beloved by the people, the rules don't apply to you. And then you put them on whenever you want. You, you put them on and embarrass America. That's how you wear it. I just see. I just have a lot more respect for Khrushchev after this. I guess that's what I learned today. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I mean, when you're at the top, you can wear hats wherever well. you want to. Hell yeah, exactly. I it's, love that line. The line where he's like, um, in the Soviet Union, like our housewives are already liberated. Like, we don't need you to make these dishwashers for their sake. And he's like, No, no, no. Universally, we gotta help out the housewives, you know, <laughs> just doubling down on that. <laughs> no, mm, feminist points to Khrushchev as well, somehow. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely <laughs> the top, though. And I love that very uh, vintage Soviet senior figure look with the suit with like various medals, but like on like a civilian suit. Like, that's a great. <laughs> I want to get, a, first, I got to get a medal for something, but then I want to wear it just on like my normal, just, just my go normal to the clothes. Yeah. Store. Just pick up <laughs> anyone that you find. If you know any like Boy Scouts grab a few of their badges yeah. that's cool that's too the, that sounds way easier yeah <laughs> he got like <laughs> an extra like, the uh the soviet army gave him uh gave him a little medal in the shape of a kitchen after this you know to, <laughs> to commemorate his defeat of richard nixon uh it's a, another <laughs> painful campaign for his long career now <laughs> oh my so god funny. Oh, that. That's amazing. I wish we could see the kitchens, though. I think I saw a picture, like a still shot of them standing oh, yeah, outside let's see. of one. But, um, you know, also the the concept that, like, every 20 years you're going to want to either get a new house or get a new kitchen, that doesn't seem like that played out particularly either. No. I'll update a few pieces, you know, in, in the kitchen, but Getting your kitchen redone every 20 years is a bit extravagant. Gone are the days of a $14,000 house on a three-hour, uh, $3 an hour uh, wage. $100 a month, he said. Yeah, wow. Unbelievable. $100 a month. Yeah, that's the one. Exactly. Oh, oh, yes. Okay, I remember seeing. Yes, it's all coming back to me. Yeah. Just what else is in there? That's really funny. Okay, you've got some like cleaning stuff. Clearly there's the little switch on the wall. And on the table here, pick pick a pack. I think there's snacks. They're just like individually wrapped. That looks like treats, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Speaking, speaking of like, treats. We have I'm those. Okay. We have this. We have that. It's not so good. That's great. No, I mean Rob Rob called it, right? I mean, you had to it's like look. Man was at the, you know, 
it's like fighting like i i don't know exactly where you know what uh what battles or whatever you know uh, nikita was personally present at but you know like in a general sense right you know like they had to fight the nazis like block for block like you know like this is this is just how he approaches everything like that's you know if you're yeah. if, if nixon's gonna t- try to tell you they have some amazing technology in america if if you know if if mccoyan wants to insist that this is like not too much pepper to put in the soup i mean you just don't <laughs> see anything about anything yeah, you know, I, just I, I didn't see McCoy my Russian buddy get blown up on a landmine in front of me fighting the Nazis for me to concede shit to you, you dumb attorney. Oh, you have the pick-a-pack. Wow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so funny. Inferior oh to ours in many ways. <laughs> I also I love the, Ivan, the mocking Ivanovich eyebrows Mikoyan. of Brezhnev there, too, in the back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Mikoyan was uh, Armenian. So I think that the peppery soup was a dig at his Armenian ethnicity. Because uh, as someone pointed out in chat, Russian food, for all of my love, it, it's uh, it's pretty bland. Yeah. Armenian food, not so bland. Very spicy and delicious. Uh, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> that's really sad. Poor Mikoyan. Uh, well, um, Lots of uh, lots of Armenians here in Los Angeles, so uh, so good, uh, you know, opportunities for peppery soup. I suppose will abound. But, oh, yeah. Opportunities um, for soup, opportunities to get a great price on a used car from the Armenian community. <laughs> like it's just you know. Ben, you can get a leather jacket. Also. Ah, there you go. Now we're doing really real Armenian it. hours. Yeah, you know, you and you could do that. That's like a great semi-academic look. You know, you could probably. <laughs> Next time I see Ben, he better be wearing a leather blazer and Adidas track pants. Just, just, <laughs> just reeking of pepper. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Well, on that note, uh, I I should also say uh, maybe we'll put the link in uh, the show notes. There's a couple years ago, um, you know, did a discussion on the old Jacobin YouTube channel with um, Bhaskar and uh, Lee Phillips on uh, about that book, Red Plenty, and, you know, talking about some of the actual problems with the uh, the Soviet economy. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of feel like, you know, I kind of feel like both of them are making predictions that did not quite pan out. Uh, the, um, like, certainly Khrushchev, I mean, whatever. I mean, that one's like the big world historic tragedy. The, uh, the catching up to and overtaking definitely didn't happen, you know, to put it mildly. Right. Which is why, you know, right. The, the final leader of the Soviet union was reduced to doing pizza hut commercials in his, uh, in his, uh, final years. Um, but, uh, but, you know, but also, yeah, I don't know, as, as you point out, Jordan, like this idea that the, uh, this idea that, uh, you know, every like ordinary working class American family is like, ah, New kitchen. It's been twenty years. Fuck it, right? Time, time for a new one. Uh, was uh, what am also- I going to do with this? <laughs> Old crap. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's uh, yeah. That uh, that you know that like the sort of long boom and post war Keynesianism was uh, was going to last forever. You know, was was also uh, not the case. And you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I I think the sort of basic point Nikita makes here uh, about. Uh, uh, about having a right to housing uh, versus just uh, hoping you could afford it. 
is still a crucial one. I mean, like that's kind of the, that's kind of the whole thing, like to have a, um, find a way to have a, uh, socialist system that, uh, that incorporates that right. And, uh, also does a better job than the, uh, than the Soviet one did. But, um, you know, that's the serious note. Otherwise, uh, yeah, I want to see, I want to see Khrushchev. I want to see videos of Khrushchev debate, debating everybody. Yeah. Who else did he argue with in this era that we can get film of? I mean, that's the, the, the real question. Right. <laughs> who, who do you think would be like a good, uh, interlocutor for him on the American side that would, oh. you, know, you know what I mean? That would kind of like, not this guy. Back. Well, no. No, <laughs> no. Not. yeah, I mean, we should also like Nixon famously was just kind of that generally not great at debates. Yeah. Not famous for blowing him up. Yes, that's true. Yeah. I mean, the that's Nick, true. you know, the Nixon Kennedy was a, was famously a disaster when Nixon actually <laughs> successfully ran for president uh, in 68. He broke the tradition of uh, of doing debates. Uh, he didn't. Uh, he didn't do it, uh, which we may be back to uh, this year. Uh, for uh, you know, I mean, we're getting some Republican primary debates, but no, um, no Biden but, debate. He's pulling yeah. a Nixon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Biden is pulling a Nixon exactly. Uh, so <laughs> no primary debates, and probably also no general election debate uh, on the uh, on the Biden end. So, um, so yeah, I, and I don't know if, I don't know if Nixon debated the government, but I think probably not. Right. Like that's, I think he was, I think he probably realized that this sort of thing didn't go well for him. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's just, it's all downside risk for Nixon specific case. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's, well, that's, you know, Biden should do an Eisenhower himself and send some surrogate to argue with Donald Trump. That'd be funny. Well, send send that would be, the, that'll be the exact equivalent of Eisenhower said to Nixon. Uh, God, boy. And she'd get eaten alive just like this. It'd be terrible. I mean, you, you yeah, see the, uh, the, the Trump Tucker interview. Like that is, that is one of the moments on Trump's end. That's like, Oh man, he still has it. The, uh, you know, when he's, he's talking about Kamala, he's like, she speaks in rhymes. Tucker's <laughs> like, what, what, what do you mean she speaks in rhymes? Oh, she speaks in rhymes. You know, what the is bus it? goes here, the bus goes there. So funny. that one thing she's, oh, God. What a strange, oh, uh, it, it's it, undeniably entertaining, but it's like, it's, it's like entertaining like a fever dream is entertaining. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. In the yeah, in the um, whiskey versus vodka wars, she would throw in like a handful of dissociative drugs and sleeping pills. I think, but yeah, yeah, no, I think I think that yeah, I think Kamala would be the Chardonnay and sleeping pills, uh, for you know, entry into uh, to complicate the uh, the next uh, the whiskey versus vodka war. Yeah, I don't think we can stay safe to the vodka one. That's I would true. absolutely, I would absolutely watch Kamala debating Trump. Um, yeah, come on, we need something though. Like, I mean, whoever, but you know, throw someone in the line for God's sake. I'm bored. Yeah. We could go with the Chapo suggestion from a few years ago, and uh, there could be a um, uh, a hunter could debate Eric and Don Jr. That was my suggestion. I invented that. That's hilarious. <laughs> so, I'm sure, Chapo uh, stole that from me. Oh. Um, yeah, no, yeah. debate by proxy. It would be fantastic. Just wait yeah. a little while for Ron DeSantis' son to grow up. Grow up <laughs> too. Can you even imagine what an annoying little shit that guy's going to grow up to be? Especially as like a, 
a pro golfer. <laughs> That's already his calling is like a toddler. So yeah, he's awesome. going to be insufferable entirely. It's, Ooh. you know, it's, it's, it's true. I mean, we won't be able to see him, you know, below the cloud deck most days. So it's like, you know, it's not that bad. We won't, you know, we'll just. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, Going to wrap it there for, uh, for tonight. Uh, on speaking of Chapo on Monday, we have uh, Will Meneker. So um, that should be a lot of fun. We'll uh, see everybody then. Left is best. Let's go.